Chapter 13 Collection From the parking lot of Barton's Grocery, I could see the entire length of Main Street in my new town, from the white, tall-steepled Methodist Church at the north end all the way down to the Catholic Church at the south end. Between the churches stood a row of little stores and businesses, Good Value Hardware, Frank's Gas and Auto Body, Mitty's Snowmobile Rentals, closed for the season, Raven's Ice Cream Shop, open for the season, a white fire and rescue building with big red vehicle doors, Pizza Junction, a small post office, and an old house with a sign that read, The Lakeview Gift Shop, one-of-a-kind gifts and treasures. On the short ride to town, Megan had chatted with Emily in the back seat of the van about the posters we were planning to make to help the loons. These posters have been my idea, but I couldn't talk to anyone. Grandma Lila looked fine now, but I was bruised by what happened. I couldn't stop rerunning our conversation in my head. Nate leaned my way to whisper, is there a good contest word we can find in a grocery store? The contest seemed so far away, but it was a relief to think about something I knew how to do. Point and shoot. If you did it wrong, you just delete that shot and try it again. I thought about some of the words I still needed to shoot. Left behind. Lost. Collection. Maybe collection? I whispered back. He smiled. How about a collection of fruit? Could fruit be a collection? I suppose so. But when I stepped out of the van, there were lots of people in the grocery store parking lot pushing carts and talking and hurrying in and out of the store. It'd be hard to take a photo in the store without being in other people's way. I'll catch up, I said to Miss Bailey as I helped Grandma Lila out of the van. I'd like to go in the gift shop for a minute. The gift shop probably had better choices for collection and it didn't feel like anything would be right until I had a minute by myself to think about what happened. What a good idea, Grandma Lila said. Let's all go. I sighed, but there was nothing I could do. White with blue shutters, the Lakeview gift shop had no view of the lake, just a pizza junction across the street. Bordering a walkway to the gift shop door were wooden boxes of daisies, black-eyed Susans, lavender, and herbs. A sign next to the entrance read, Come in. Sorry, no strollers. Leave backpacks at the front desk. We welcome well-behaved children held by the hand. Friendly, but don't push it. Stepping into the gift shop, I was greeted by an overwhelming smell of flowery soaps, and pillows. On the long shelves were rows and rows of candy, jelly and jam, mugs, stuffed animals, and magnets. This place had collections of collections. Welcome, said the lady behind the counter. Nice to see you all back this summer. Miss Stackpole, this is Lucy, Miss Bailey said. Her parents bought the Alexander's house. Well, lovely to meet you, Lucy, she said. Are you here just for the summer or year-round? I forced a smile. Year-round. Picking up a jar of strawberry jam, I held it to the window light. The red jam was vibrant lit from behind. 
and a line of different colored jams on the windowsill with the sun shining through might be pretty. But lit from the back, the labels on the jars would just look like black rectangles in a photo, and that would ruin it. All the jam is New Hampshire made, Miss Stackpole called. I put the jar back. Wandering through the kids' area with picture books, plastic boats, and beach floats to inflate, I considered the shelves of stuffed animals. Moose, foxes, chipmunks, black bears, and birds that made their calls when you pushed a button on their back. I wonder if Ansel would like one of those, I asked, looking through the birds. I pushed the button on the blue jay and it screeched. Yikes, that would drive Mom crazy, I said, putting it back. Oh, look, Grandma Lila, Nate said. They have a loon. He pushed the button and the loon's wail sounded in the store. I was glad the toy company had picked the loon's checking in with each other call and not the danger call. Grandma Lila smiled. I'm here. Where are you? Nate pushed the button to answer. I'm here. Are you done, Mom? Miss Bailey asked. We're heading over to the grocery store. You kids come on over when you're ready. I'm ready now. Come on, Megan, Emily said. I held back as Megan walked to the door with Emily, Nate's parents, and Grandma Lila. I'll be right there, I said. I want to buy something here. I'll wait for Lucy, Nate said. Megan shot him a glance, and I wondered if she'd stay too. But Nate wasn't looking at her and didn't see the letdown in her eyes. You know what it feels like when you want to matter to someone and they don't notice. But I was still mad at Megan for deleting my photos and trying to take over my idea for the posters. Only when I heard the front door of the gift shop close did I dare peek over. It was just Nate, Miss Stackpole, and me now. Whew! As my shoulders dropped, I tried to let go of my hard morning. I thought this would be a better place to find a collection photo, I said to Nate. It was all such a jumble that my photo would look cluttered, not really like a collection. I walked through the Christmas corner with its ornaments, wooden deer, Santas, and cards. In the back of the shop were lamps, blankets, and camp designs and signs that looked old but weren't really. I glanced at wind chimes, bird feeders, and tiny baskets woven with pine needles, and the displays of books and calendars and tourist brochures near the register. Dad's book, New England Places and People, was facing out on the top shelf. It was an older book, all the photos taken before I was born. But seeing a book I recognized and his name on the cover made me miss him so much I could barely look at anything else. What about candles? Nate asked. They are a lot of different colors and sizes. I tore my gaze away from the books. I had to hurry up and pick something because I didn't know how long it would take Nate's family at the grocery store. I was ready to settle for the candles when I noticed a jar of rock candy. Each wooden stick ended in a finger-long burst of colored sugar crystals wrapped in a clear plastic a jar full of long, bumpy lollipops. Bright pink, blue, green, yellow, white, purple, red, and orange. Nate grinned when I showed them to him. None of the candies were exactly alike. I took a light blue one from the jar. The crystals closest to the middle were darker, packed tight on the stick. 
but the ones on the outer edges had just a hint of blue. I held it in front of the window and watched the sun shining through, reflecting off all those sharp corner little squares. I picked as many different colors as I could find as Mrs. Stackpole was ringing them up on the register. I said, wait a sec, I want one more thing. Nate looked surprised when I returned to the cash register with a toy loon. Ansel needs a new toy for New Hampshire. I plopped it on the corner with the candy. We were ready to leave, but the light coming through the window was great. Maybe we can shoot a photo here, I asked Nate. Okay, he said. How best to show a collection? Lined up in a pattern of colors? I wanted the light to reflect on through all those little squares. Miss Stackpole, would it be okay if I borrowed a cup so I could stand these little sticks up on the windowsill? I'll put everything back when I'm done, I promised. I want to take a photo of my candy and the light is so pretty right now. She hesitated, so I added, did you know that you sell a book of photos by my dad? It's on the top shelf, New England Places and People. Really? Miss Stackpole looked quickly at her bookshelf. Do you think he might come for a signing or at least stop in and sign the copies we have in stock? He's in Arizona right now taking pictures for a magazine, I said, but when he gets home, I know he'd be delighted. I took her pleased smile as an okay to choose a small ceramic juice glass from the pottery shelves, and I moved the boxes of maple sugar candy away from the windowsill. I handed my rock candy to Nate. Can you unwrap these? Light will bounce off the plastic. Your brain knows to ignore the wrappers, but the camera only shows what is. As Nate unwrapped, I stuffed the bottom of the glass with leftover plastic so the rock candy would stand higher and I could fan out the sticks to allow light to pass between the different colors. When we arranged them, I shot photos from different angles. But when I checked the screen, I was disappointed. The cup makes it look like it's a bouquet of candy, not so much a collection, I said. And with the cup in this shot, it's about the cup too. I tried zooming in, cutting the cup out of the frame. Much better. Now all that showed was brilliant colored, light-filled candy, and in the background, a pleasant gray blur from the window light. As soon as I had several shots that could work for collection, we put our rock candy in the bag with the toy loon and returned everything else to the way it was. Ansel will like his new loon toy smells like candy, I said. Walking with Nate to the grocery store, I opened my bag and took out a stick of pink rock candy. Want one? Nate chose orange. Hey, you didn't tell me your dad had written a whole book. He bit off the top of his candy and crystals scattered down his shirt. He's done lots of books. I let my candy sit in my mouth. My tongue dissolved the bumps of sugar. Rock candy was pretty, but it was hard to eat. I wonder if Emily found the poster board, I said as we threw our sticks into the trash can just outside Barton's automatic doors. It's probably, where's the door? Grandma Lila was screaming from somewhere inside. Help me! Nate ran to the store and I followed, searching the aisles until he finally found her in the cereal aisle. A broken bottle of salad dressing was on the floor at her feet and beside her, Mr. and Mrs. Bailey's faces were red. 
Just take her outside, Mrs. Bailey said. I'll pay for this and the other groceries and walk home. Can't walk home with all those groceries, Mr. Bailey said. Well, come back for me then, she snapped. Just please take her home. Nate took Grandma Lila's arm. Come on, Grandma Lila, the door is over here. Strangers kept talking around us like they didn't notice, but I knew they did. A lady's eyes met mine over the top of the display of juice, and a family stared at us from the end of the aisle. A boy with glasses and floppy hair wearing a red grocery store uniform shirt looked down our aisle and said, Don't worry, I'll get the mop and clean that up. Grandma Lila, come this way. You'll see the door, I said comfortingly. She just stood there, not moving, even when Nate pushed the back of her arm, encouraging her to take a step. <clears throat> I pulled the camera out of my pocket and rushed far enough down the aisle to shoot the photo of the automatic doors ahead with the exit sign above them. Look, Grandma Lila, I hurried back to show her on the screen. See, the doors are right over there. Follow me and you'll see them too. I started walking, hoping I'd hear the soft steps of soft sound of footsteps. I didn't realize I'd been holding my breath until I heard her coming and felt the air rush out of me. All around us, people were having a regular grocery store experience. Let's look in the dairy aisle. Are you sure that's the right size? Here it is. An older lady with short gray hair wearing her purse strapped across her body was talking on her cell phone in front of me. She looked at us curiously but didn't step aside. I wanted to yell at her, just move. I must have looked scary because she immediately did. See you folks, the cashier called as I led Nate and Grandma Lila out the exit. Have a nice day. Outside, the van seemed a million miles away, even though it was only across the parking lot. Megan hurried to get ahead of us, holding the stack of poster board in front of her like a big white shield for us to walk behind. For once, I was glad she was there. People in the parking lot looked at her, not at us. As Nate coaxed Grandma Lila to her seat in the van, I let my head fall backwards to look at the sky. It was a relief to see something far away and endless after being so tightly focused on each breath and step with Grandma Lila. On the drive home, Nate's parents argued in the front seats. Why didn't you bring her in through the main door? Mrs. Bailey asked. That's the door I always use. How would I know it would make a difference? Mr. Bailey asked. I didn't plan to cause a scene. I caused a scene, Grandma Lila said sadly beside me. No, I'm sorry, Mr. Bailey said quickly. I didn't mean that. Don't worry, Mrs. Bailey turned around to face Grandma Lila. It's fine, Mom. Accidents happen. I couldn't find how to get out, Grandma Lila said. I thought you'd all left. We were getting milk, Mr. Bailey said. Megan and I were buying poster board, Emily said. We thought you knew that, Megan added. I'm sorry. We wouldn't go home without you, Mom, Mrs. Bailey said. Why would you think that? I don't know. Yes, of course, Grandma Lila said. That, that's right. Sitting next to her, I wondered what I could say to comfort her. My dad would know the right words, but I had no idea. 
After a pause, Mrs. Bailey said too brightly, Lucy, how's your mom? Uh, she's good, I said. She's working today. It was so nice to meet her at the cookout. Having moved the conversation back to a more normal place, Mrs. Bailey turned to face forward again, but she leaned her elbow against the car door and her head against her hand. I glanced over my shoulder to Megan with Emily in the far back. Megan looked as uncomfortable as I felt to be in the middle of Nate's family's hard time. It's a bad day, Grandma Lila said quietly beside me. Someday, I worry I might slip into one of these bad days and not come out. Mom, don't say that, Miss Bailey said. It doesn't do any good to think like that. Grandma Lila looked so defeated that I pulled the loon toy out of my bag. Grandma Lila, I bought you something. On my other side, Nate whispered to me, that's for Ansel. I shrugged one shoulder at him and pushed the button on the toy's back to play the loon song. Grandma Lila didn't smile, but as I laid it in her lap, I heard her whisper, I'm here. That night, we didn't make posters. I sat on my bed with Ansel and downloaded my photos. I chose the best rock candy photo for collection. Then I scrolled through my photos of Grandma Lila on her porch. I smiled at her pretending to be Doris Day, but in the last photo, Grandma Lila was sitting up very straight, holding the teacup. That photo was all about her eyes, full of panic. They seized me and wouldn't let me go. I could hear Dad in my mind, gasping with me at what I had captured, a true and terrible moment. Chapter 14, Design. It took every drop of willpower not to tell Dad about the incredible photo I had taken of Grandma Lila on her porch. But I really wanted to use that photo in the contest. So the next day, while I waited for Nate and Emily to come over to make the posters for the loons, I texted Dad about everything else. Ansel says, woof. I hope the snakes do something amazing, but not with rabbits. I saw a newt at the mailbox. He was orange. But when I came back with my camera, he was gone. Grr. Mom's making brownies. Nate and Emily are coming over today. Ansel barked like crazy at the knock on our front door. I'll get it. I yelled to mom as I put my phone back in my pocket. The brownies are almost done, she said. Do you have everything else that you need? I think so. Nate and Emily are bringing the supplies, I said. As I crossed the living room, I could already see through the window that there were three kids on our porch, Nate and Emily and Megan. Hi, I said hesitantly as Megan stepped past me into our living room. I'd been sure she'd stay home when she discovered we were making the posters at my house. Hi. She looked from one side of our living room to the other, and I wondered if she were comparing it to hers. Wow, what smells good? Nate asked. Mom's making brownies, 
I said. Lucy, do you know that I've been coming to the lake my whole life, but today's the first time I've ever been inside your house, Molly said. The Alexanders were old, and I don't think they liked kids very much, so they never invited us in. It's nice in here. Thanks, I said. Everything creaks, but I'm getting used to it. Everything creaks at our cottage, too, Nate said, and one year we had bats. They had moved in over the winter while we were gone. I remember that year, Megan said. Your dad was trying to catch them, and Grandma Lila was yelling, Don't hurt them! They all laughed. I pretended I thought it was funny, too, but really, you probably had to be there. The table's not big enough for all of us, I said, so I was thinking we could go work on the floor. Go ahead and set up, and I'll get us brownies and some lemonade. In the kitchen, I let the forced smile drop off my face. There's four of us, I said quietly to Mom. Megan's here, too. Well, that's nice, she said, and then paused. Isn't it? I shook my head, taking the lemonade out of the refrigerator. She wants to be Nate's only friend. In a month, all this will change, Mom said comfortingly. Don't let it get you down. She probably thought she was making things better by reminding me that Nate and Megan and their families would leave at the end of the summer, but I only wanted little things to change, not big things. And Nate leaving until next summer was a really big thing. When I came back to the living room with lemonade and cups, Ansel was walking over the word loons on Nate's poster. Ansel, go lie down, I said. He did, right on Emily's poster. He wants to help, she said, rubbing his tummy. He rolled right onto his back for her. Mom came in behind me with napkins and a plate with the brownies stacked so high that we could each have two or maybe even two and a half. Ansel, come, Mom said to get him off Emily's poster. Ansel obeys anyone holding food. I took a brownie off the top and passed the plate to Emily. I made prints of each of my best loon photos in case anyone wants to use one on your poster. I showed them the copies. The adult loon swimming and the loon on the nest watching me, the baby under her wing. This is the only photo I have with the baby. I glanced pointedly at Megan. Did you bring yours? She looked away from me. I realized this morning that I don't have any way to print them. We brought a laptop with us to our cottage, but not a printer. I didn't want to help Megan, but I did want to help the loons, and showing the babies was important. If you go get your camera, I'll print them. I'll even use photo paper so they'll look great. I'll be right back, she said. While Megan was gone, I stared at the empty piece of poster board, wondering what to write. These posters would be hung up at the marina and the boat launch and other places where tourists would see them. How do you make people notice a poster, read it, and then care? Watch out for loons, I wrote at the top. But I wrote loons in fat pillow letters so I could draw the checkerboard pattern of their wings inside each letter. With the rest of the space, I could probably fit three photos in a line down from the words. Maybe I could put one loon fact next to each photo. Underneath my heading, I glued my own photo of the female on the nest with her head down and the chick under her wing. Don't bring your boat any closer to loons than 150 feet. 
Then I cut out a speech bubble and glued it so the baby under her wing could say, Back off! When Megan knocked on my door again, I had my poster well started, and both Nate and Emily had used the photo I took of the loon on the nest. Even though the loons are done with their nests now, it's a great photo, Nate said. It reminds you that they're a family. Megan handed me her camera's memory card. As she stared at her poster, I picked her best photos and printed a few sheets of copies. As each sheet came off Dad's printer, I brought it to Emily and Nate to cut apart into single photos. I hadn't seen both loon babies yet, and looking at Megan's photos, I wondered which one was the first chick. I'd never be able to tell them apart, especially from a distance. I decided to call them Baby One and Baby Two. When I was done printing, I chose two of Megan's photos of the whole Loon family to put on my poster. Next to one photo, I wrote, If Loons spend too much time watching out for boats, they can't bring enough food for their chicks. I cut out two more speech bubbles and made the baby say, I'm hungry, and me too. And beside the last photo of the Loons, I wrote, Whatever affects the Loons affect everything else. I cut out another speech bubble and had one of the chicks say, including you. And at the very bottom, I wrote, please be careful. Sincerely, Lucy. And then on impulse, I added of the loons to my name. I think Lucy has the best poster, Emily said. It's strong, but it's also a bit funny, so people will remember it. Lucy, why don't you put yours at the marina? Megan, yours can go at the boat launch. Nate's can go at the grocery store, and I'll ask Miss Stackpole if I can put mine at the gift shop. That should cover most places where tourists go, right? And not just the tourists, I said. It'll remind the people who live here to be careful, too. Winning the contest wouldn't matter if there were no loons for Grandma to see. At the marina, I was nervous asking, but the man at the boat rental desk said I could hang my poster on the wall behind him. Everyone who rents a boat will see it here. Are the loons from our lake? He asked, pointing to the photos. I nodded. We have a family of four, two adults and two babies. Well, that's great. Visitors will love to know that, he said. Loons are very popular. Please tell people they have to be careful of them, okay? Sure. While he hunted for some tape to hang up my posters, I look at the big storefront windows at the rows of jet skis, kayaks, and speed boats hitched up to the docks. Do you rent motorized crafts? I ask. Motorized crafts? No. I've seen those on the other lakes, but there's something a cottage owner would buy. Not much call to rent those. Do you know how much it might cost to buy one? Would it be more than $500? He nodded. I'm sure it would cost more than that for a new one. Oh, okay. I tried not to let my disappointment show. Well, if you had, um, let's say a grandmother who couldn't climb into a speedboat or a kayak, do you rent something that would work to take her out on the lake? A pontoon boat would probably be a good cho choice, the man said. My aunt uses a walker and I've taken her out on ours. Pontoon boats are good and stable, and there isn't much climbing, just a step, really. As long as there's someone there to help her, I wouldn't think there'd be any problem. Is it less than $500 to rent one? I asked. About half that for a whole day. Thanks, I smiled, though I felt like cheering. 
That's really, really helpful. Now all I had to do was win. Chapter 15, Three Feet. As the days passed and the deadline for the contest came closer, I stopped waiting for photo opportunities to appear and began to create them. How come Emily can show both her feet and I can only show one, Nate asked, taking off his sneakers. Mine are prettier, Emily said. Three feet was one of those phrases that can mean different things. Nate and I debated our ideas a yardstick against a tree, three of Ansel's paw prints in the mud, or a shot from underneath the dock with three kids' feet dangling in the air between the bottom of the dock and the top of the water. The last one seemed like the best idea, but now that I was wading into the lake, cringing at the gooey bottom and imagining what else might be in the dark water under the dock, it felt cold and gross. Though if Dad could survive billows of black flies and mosquitoes for hours, I could survive some icky under-the-dock dwellers for a few minutes. Near the shore, by the Bailey's dock, the sand was ridged by the waves. Standing there, I estimated how many steps I would have to take in the murky part before I was out deep deep enough to duck underneath the dock. I guessed about six big steps. I wouldn't have chosen such a sunny day for this shot, but I didn't have time to wait for the weather to be perfect, and Megan had gone on a day trip with her parents, so she wouldn't be able to ruin everything or take it over. She had texted Nate when we were deciding what to shoot for three feet and invited him to go, but he stayed home to be the third foot. He'd chosen me over Megan, so why didn't I feel happier? Because he had sighed when he texted her back? So, at least part of him had wanted to go. Look, he said, the chicks are swimming with their parents. Glad to have a reason to put off dunking underwater, I searched the waves until I saw the outline of the two adult loons and two little ones paddling hard to keep up. There they were. The babies were diving, but it wasn't long before they popped to the surface again like ping pong balls. I knew they had to learn to dive and hunt on their own, but I couldn't help wishing they'd climb onto their parents' back where it was safer. By themselves, other animals could take them, eagles and hawks from above, snapping turtles from below. Dad says every animal needs to eat something, but these felt like our loons, and I would protect them if I could, just like I'd protect Ansel if anything tried to hurt him. Are you ready for your camera? Nate asked. Almost. Time to get this over with. The water made me gasp with cold as I dropped onto my knees, wet to my shoulders. Then I pulled in a breath and went under the dock. Underwater, I raised my hand into the air above my head, so if there was a crossbeam above me, my hand would find it first. Touching only air, I let my head come up. Nate's eyes looked down through the dock slats above me. How is it under there? He asked. I shivered. The sand felt slimy, and I hoped I wouldn't feel a crayfish walk over my toes or a fish swish against the back of my legs. Cold and disgusting, I said, my voice echoing. I'm ready for my camera now. 
As soon as my camera appeared next to Nate's and Emily's feet, I took it carefully. Nate, I need just one of your feet, but can you both turn to the left a little? I want to see more of the sides of your feet, not just the back. The dark rough underside of the dock was a nice frame for their feet, and it provided a good contrast with the sparkly waves ahead. Emily had a braided band tied around one of her ankles, which drew your eye and added a little bit of personality. I didn't have enough room to move around under the dock and try many different shots, but I did the best I could. When I had a few I thought would work, I passed my camera out to Nate and eased my way from under the dock. Grandma Lila will want to write down what the babies were both swimming and diving by themselves today, Emily said. I'll go get the clipboard. As she left, one of the loons gave a throaty tremolo. I don't see anything bothering them, Nate said. Can you see anything with your zoom? I zoomed in as tight as my camera would allow and took some shots of the loon family together. No, they look fine, I said. I don't see anything that could be bothering them. Hmm, probably loon song lessons, Nate said. Climbing up onto the dock, I said, we can show Grandma Lila these photos of the baby swimming. Can I see the three feet shot? Nate asked. I turned on my screen and handed him the camera. He nodded, scrolling back through. These are great. They're funny because with just three feet, you wonder where the other foot is. He hit the scrolling button. Oh, thanks a lot for taking this photo of the exit sign at the grocery store that day. It was a big help. I smiled. You're welcome. He scrolled again. Oh, wow. The rock candy shots look great, too. These are awesome, Lucy. He scrolled again, and his face changed. What's this? It was a photo of Grandma Lila with the teacup. My smile slipped. Oh, I took that one day when you went on loon patrol with Megan. Grandma Lila and I were waiting for you to come back and she asked me to take her photo. She told me that she was Doris Day. There are more if you scroll back. I thought we could use the photo of her hand on the rocking chair for holding on. And this one, she looks awful. He hit the button to scroll, but his eyebrows stayed down. I was just making conversation, I said hurt. I thought if she talked about the teacup, she'd have an expression on her face. So I asked her where it came from and she said it wasn't hers. She got upset and I didn't know what to do. So I said the cup was mine. It only lasted a few seconds though. Then you came back from Loon Patrol and I told her there were two baby loons and that made her happy. It's a horrible picture of her, Nate said, shutting off my camera. It's not horrible. I tried to explain the way dad would say it. Her face has strong emotion and it draws you in. It makes you care about her. I had looked carefully through the words of the contest and one word stopped me. Grandma Lila was losing things inside herself. She had said it herself that day. I think we should use it for lost, I said. Nate didn't look at me as he gave me my camera. There are a million photos you could shoot for lost. It doesn't have to be that one. Besides, she's not even really lost. 
She's scared. And that's not the same thing at all. But don't you want to win? I asked. We can't take Grandma Lala out to see the loons if we don't win. I'll pretend to be lost for you. That night, I saved the best three feet shot and the best one of Nate in the little patch of woods near the lake pretending to be lost. But the photo of Nate looked fake, like an actor overdoing it. When the picture of Grandma Lila came up on my viewer, I pushed the button to edit. Delete? Yes or no? It was a truthful photo. Even if that truth wasn't beautiful, at least it had, hadn't mattered about winning. But now I wanted to. If it were just a regular photo, I could let it go because Nate wanted me to. But this photo was amazing. There was a powerful story in her eyes, and Dad would see that immediately. When Nate looked at it, he saw his grandmother, a person he loved. I couldn't make him understand that sometimes a photo was more than that. It had a regular truth that you could see with your eyes and a second one that you felt. This photo would make the person looking at it experience something important, and that made it special. It made it art. But when two things matter, how do you know which one matters more? What Nate saw when he looked at it or what other people would feel? Delete, yes or no? I shut the camera off so I didn't have to choose. Later, I lay in bed with my hand resting on Ansel's chest, rising and falling in sleep. It was so quiet I could hear his breath and the waves down on the beach in rhythm with each other. I couldn't sleep, couldn't turn my mind off. Why did my best photo come with the hardest choices? It didn't seem fair. And whose photo was it? Did it belong to Grandma Lila because she was in it? Or did it belong to me because I had taken it? There wouldn't even be a photo if I hadn't taken it but it wouldn't be powerful without her. I finally fell asleep listening to the loons nighttime wailing and they woke me again before sunrise. I'm here. Where are you? I stared at my dark ceiling waiting for the answer. Waiting. When the answer call finally came, it startled even Ansel awake. The male was yodeling Maybe the dad was giving the baby's loon song lessons. I held my breath, expecting him to stop. But tremolos and more yodels came instead, one after the other so fast that it didn't sound like the loons could even be taking a breath between them. This wasn't practice. They jolted me out of bed into my open window. I strained to see something somewhere on the dark lake. The loons were in trouble.